Hello and welcome to this week at the movies. I knew that was going to happen when I <laughs> when I had to throw everybody off. We have a very special episode this week. We will be talking about Avatar, a new version of Pinocchio, and our favorite Christmas comedies. I'm your host Matthew Fox, joined by my co-host Eric Langford, and we have a special guest this week, the Grand Poobah of the Music City Drive-In website, the Drive-In Podcast Network. The man himself, Ricky Valero. Man, I need to have this guy introduce me everywhere I go. This is for real. I yeah. mean, <laughs> welcome. I, well, thank you guys for having me. I'm very excited to be on here. I love what you guys do on here, and um, I I jumped at the opportunity to to jump on here. I'm excited because we've got some fun stuff to talk about today too. So, mm. not that. Your other shows aren't fun to talk about, but this one in particular had some good stuff to talk about. So. Oh, no, no, no. We know what you meant, for sure. For sure. <laughs> and you know what? In honor of the, the film Avatar that we're talking about, we've decided this show's runtime is going to be exactly that. No, I'm just kidding. Three uh, hours, <laughs> 10 minutes, 45 seconds. Plus, you and you gotta credits. stay during the credits. Yeah, you gotta stay during the credits. Anyway, our first movie up is the big movie releasing this week, and that is Avatar: Way of the Water. It has been 13 years since James Cameron first voiced Avatar upon us in all of its 3D. Hope you forget that this is just a ripoff of Pocahontas Wonder. And it was fair to wonder. What was our return to the world of Pandora going to be like? Would Disney indeed find rife material to make a whole new land at Disney World? Eric, I will let you lead us off. You're going to let me lead you off. Okay. So to answer the questions you were specifically building up, did they find enough material? No. No. Not oh, I quite. I fully expect to get a water ride in the next three years. Oh, 100%. To get a water ride? Yeah, for sure. Like, if they're not already working on that, I don't know what they're doing. But in terms of a story, there was just um, a surprising amount of characters and and threads to work with. And so only a few got a heavy spotlight. And that led to a, a, like a couple of issues that I had. But you know what? I'm not even going to go too big into the issue because for me, Avatar The Way of Water was really just about being a big monumental blockbuster. And it delivers on that tenfold. This is a movie that feels like it's an event. That feels like I'm going to remember it for years. Avatar 2009 did not quite have that staying power with me, despite being impressed by the visuals and whatnot. I, this, this really did, especially by the end with the family ties that they had and just the ability to sink into a world and lose the sense of the idea that that world does not exist and is not there. Like I, it's, it's a really big achievement and I really appreciated it. The only things that I didn't appreciate are the, combination that was unavoidable of having 3d with 48 frames per second so if you go to watch it in the biggest spectacle you can you have to watch it in a way that replicates like high frame rate like motion smoothing on your television or video games at a high frame rate and to me i immediately associate things like that with gameplay and it took me out of the movie a lot so i am going to give it two thumbs up just betting that that is going to be my review when I see this in 2D finally. 
Ricky, I know you got to see it in 3D as well. What did you think of Avatar Way of the Water? Uh, it's it's one of the more visually stunning things I've ever seen. Um, I, I am not a fan of the original film. I didn't like it. Um, it kind of bored me to death a little bit in some aspects. And what stood, stood apart for me in this was the story. Um, it had so many... I, I've seen so many people talk about how it was hollow and it didn't have a, a strong story and, and it kind of blew me away because honestly this this story was very impactful um there's one line that stands out to me several different lines did but the, the relationships with with the father and the son and trying to fill those shoes and and that entire story was very impactful in so many different ways i mean as a son you always want to you know rise and be above your father no matter what those expectations are and your father's expectations are the same of you and there's like a lot of emotional beats. I mean, hell, th there is some incredible moments between the characters and a whale that I just found myself like sucked into that was something that I never in a million years thought that I would, you know, even care about. Not that I don't care about whales or anything, guys. Don't take me the wrong way here. But, you know, it had the emotional profound uh story that i felt like was missing from the first that um really landed for me and i really love that element and the last 30 40 minutes of this movie is like a grand spectacle like you like that to me even if you cut that down to like 10 15 minutes that could be an, a, a roller coaster of a ride at, at disney somewhere that just alone just like the the, the blowing up, the ship, the you know, all the water. You got water flying out at you. You got all those th exactly. You're just going all the way around, and and it's just I really love this movie. It's it's like 17 thumbs up if I had them, but I've only got two, so it's only gonna get two. But I love this movie a lot, way more than I ever imagined. And I tell you what, I did not feel the long runtime. I was kind of genuinely surprised by that, and I, yeah, I loved Avatar: The Way of the Water. I like how you say you don't hate whales. You don't like all of them because I, I've read your Brendan Fraser film review. Oh, uh, you know I, hate, I, I, I hate that think, whale. <laughs> I think the interesting thing here, um, you know, and I've talked to some people that loved the original Avatar that struggled with this sequel, and I think the thing that unites the three of us is we ranged from actively disliked it to I, I almost nothinged it. So I had very low expectations when they told me they were making another avatar. I was like, okay, whatever. And I did not have incredibly high expectations going into this. And I had a friend um, who I think was in somewhat the same boat said the same thing. Like the first hour he was just kind of sitting there going, okay, but once you give your, give into the movie and give into the story and start getting caught up in it, you just get sucked into this world. And I agree with you completely. I didn't feel the long runtime. In fact, I was sometimes surprised by how long it had been. Um, Cause I thought I was fascinated by the visuals. Again, it's visually stunning. And I think the technology has, in, has improved a lot. I get what you're saying, Eric, but I think back to when I, this was one of the first cutting edge 3d films when it came out in 2009 and I remember watching it in 3D and you have like this haze kind of, you know, it dimmed the color palette. You couldn't get the full appreciation. So I was more blown away by the scope and the spectacle of the visuals in here. But it was the story that really resonated with me more strongly. We make jokes, but a lot of people have acknowledged that the first film was 
was loosely Pocahontas was his take on Pocahontas. This one, it was the father and son. And you got the father and son in two different ways with two very different father-son dynamics. You got mother-daughter dynamics in there too, but it's kind of the the children and the identity, uh, learning a new culture, learning a new way of being, learning um, the deep reverence and appreciation for nature. That really struck me. But at there's a moment that comes near the end, Sam Worthington with one of his sons when he says, I see you. That was one of the most powerful um, moments to the film for me. I guess if I had one quibble, I'm kind of over the uh, Jake Sully versus Colonel Queequag or whatever his name is. And I thought they were kind of putting that to bed after going through that entire cycle all over again in the second film. But it seems like they've opened it up for that to do round three. And that's the only thing that sort of bums me out. If you want to keep making films in this world, you need to have original ideas to go forward. But for this one, I also was pretty surprised by how much I loved it. I'm giving it two thumbs up. Absolutely. Well, from one film that was effects heavy to another one that's uh, one of the more fascinating animated films we've seen this year, and that's Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. This one dropped on December 9th on Netflix. Uh, I think it's one of the most outstanding animated films of the year. Uh, we've gotten a couple of different takes on Pinocchio this year. If you uh, unfortunately saw Tom Hanks' live action version toward the uh, beginning of, I think it was the end of September, beginning of October on Disney Plus, uh, I'm sorry. Sorry for you. That did not uh, quite pan out into anything. Apparently, there's a Polly Shore version that's floating out there. I haven't seen it, but I know what I'm doing when we're when we're done with this show. But the Guillermo del Toro, Toro one, um, he takes a very different approach to telling the story. You get some of the basic classic beats of Pinocchio, but he puts his own spin on it, his own kind of mythology, the creature, the artistry, the work that went into this. Um, I was fortunate to get a package from Netflix that has a very long book that has some of the creative notes and things. And I've been going through that. I very much have appreciated the heart and the passion that went into this project. I think there is a great deal of emotion um, that comes through the script. It was fascinating and creative for me. It's, it's my favorite animated film of the year so far. Uh, and I'm giving it a thumbs up. Ricky, I know you saw this one, I think when you went to AFI, right? Yeah, it, I was, um, as a person that's not um, fully in love with the idea of animated movies, um, but when they come around, they're special ones, right? You know what I mean? To me, it's like, it's either a great animated movie at the end of the day, or I'm like, okay, it was what I, it is what it is. You know what I mean? There's certain films that uh, stand out from the rest. You know what I mean? And Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio is, is, it's so layered with so much. It's got the same kind of like, father-son relationship it's like this is the father-son relationship episode here um with with avatar and then of course with gilmore dotori's you watch the first like five minutes of this movie and you're just kind of like broken like you're literally broken like i felt completely numb um at the idea of the film and as a father like you it hits you on this emotional level. Like you just think about it. Like, of course, you know, that's what films do. Right. You know what I mean? Especially as, as like us, you know what I mean? We love films. Like we don't, not every film we just go, you know, we go to see, turn our brains off, you know, where there's a lot of those movies and we do a lot of that. But when you have films like this that are very, very special, very unique and, and tell a story in a way that's, that's been told 2000 times 
and make you fall in love with each layer of it all over again. Um, it's special. It's well-made. The voice acting is, is incredible. Um, that little kid, um, I forget his name off the top of my head, but he, Gregory Irons, I think it is. Um, he's a great Pinocchio, like a great Pinocchio and, um, the perfect little spunk and, and fun. And it's, and that's the thing, like, it's crazy. It's like, there's a sad story here, but at the same time, it's very fun at times as well. Um, there's some quirky moments, but, uh, incredible movie. Um, I honestly, it's, it's probably in my top 20 of the year. Um, it's a film that has gone back and forth of how high is it? How low is it? And, uh, it's definitely a movie I liked and it's definitely a thumbs up for me as well. And it's Gregory Mann. Gregory Mann. Irons. Yeah. That, there we go. Gregory Mann's. There we go. Well, you know, I, I'm not sure how much more I have to add other than that. This is probably the first version of the Pinocchio story that to me genuinely feels like a fairy tale. And that's ironic because this movie takes place more in a practical, recognizable world that we live in than most other takes on this story. But Kate Blanchett's uh, Blue Fairy and and Sibling, I believe it was, like that element of the story just gave it this sort Which of was, uh, Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton. Mm-hmm. Oh no, Kate Blanchett and Tilda Swinton. That's oh, it was both of them. Oh, excellent. Um, yeah, the sibling. Yes, so uh, that still that thread gave it like a, a mysticism to me that I thought really worked, and there was these like fun things like so it, it's tragic as as much as the loss of a child is tragic, and it's as fun as it is to sort of play off of the Disney version of it and have musical numbers ramp up like they're going to begin and then be cut off every once in a while. And so it's just everything about this I either loved or appreciated. And so I'm going to give it one thumb up. I did feel the length of it a little bit. I felt, but I think uh, when you're trying to do something with so much craft like that, like you're going to take your time and you're going to show off and it was fully worth it and gorgeous. Yeah. Maybe, uh, Maybe Netflix will finally get that Oscar that they've been, they've been after for so long. Well, you know, we would be remiss. Christmas uh, is a week from today. I came prepared with my season's greetings shirt. Uh, and as we did last week, we are going to dive in and share some Christmas favorites. This time it is our favorite Christmas comedy. And we are going to let Ricky kick things off. His selection was the 1996 Arnold Schwarzenegger classic, Jingle all the way um look i'm gonna be honest with you um this this movie is crazy it's wild it's hilarious there's so many different things about it that i love arnold schneider he was just that character back in that day that you're used to seeing in these big belled action movies and this is a somewhat of an action movie but um in a in a in a world where there's a lot of redundant christmas movies as as matthew fox can attest to and eric can as well you see some of the same tones and this one especially like as a parent you appreciate a little bit more because i remember like a few years ago my daughter went through these lol doll phases and those things were the most annoying things in the world you spent like 20 dollars, and they got like little horses that were like this big inside of it but like there were special containers of ones that you had to find specifically that were like oh my god like you know what i mean like it's it's 
it's captivating because obviously in this you've got you got Sinbad playing opposite of Arnold and their chemistry is hilarious. Um, it's it's funny how they just go back and forth because obviously they're trying to get their hands on Turbo Man. You know what I mean? Everybody wants a Turbo Man. I mean, we were all kids. We all wanted that certain thing that you know most of the time maybe we didn't end up getting for Christmas, but we all wanted a Turbo Man of some sort and. I think one performance that doesn't get enough credit in that one is Phil Hartman. Um, he is hilarious in that as the uh, he's just like the other guy in the scenario, kind of being the fallback plan for Arnold's wife in the film. And he's just like the phone calls. Sorry, she can't come to the phone right now. She's in the shower and like stuff like we're making her favorite cookie, like stuff like that. It's just it's just a funny, hilarious movie that is just, I love it. I just love it. And the funny thing about this, to bring it full circle, I was actually able to, there's a theater right down the street from where I work that used to play just old movies. So a few years ago, I was able to bring my daughter to see Jingle All the Way on the big screen. And it was really, really cool to be able to do that. So and it was the first time I ever saw the big screen too, because, you know, it was just a little bit younger at the time. But yeah, Jingle All the Way is my jam. Eric, I'll let you go first. Yeah, uh, Phil Hartman. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's like my favorite thing. You know, I've only seen this movie a couple of times when it's been shared with me by uh, a couple of friends who are more avid fans. But, you know, everything with with just Arnold Schwarzenegger, them sort of, he's he's always sort of in on the joke that he is this massive action hero stuck in this mundane setting, having to do the most trivial thing, but take it as seriously as he can. And you, it didn't have to even be Christmas for this to happen, but like, it's so perfect. And the way that it works has just like, what is it? The whole warehouse of Santa Clauses and just like <laughs> so many set pieces that are so memorable and uh, just, I have a grin from ear to ear every time I watch that movie. It never really stops. Just kind of like, just like, oh my gosh, what is happening? Oh my gosh, what is happening in the movie? That's that's Jingle All the Way. Yeah, and I think it really taps into that. Um, you know, we talked a couple weeks ago about Krampus, and one of the things I loved about that is the opening of the commercialism and people trying to kill each other to uh, get to the the hottest thing for black friday well this one really kind of was ahead of that trend in looking at the the whole difficulty and the commercialism and it you know i was i had a friend at work who was in line all day for a playstation 5 only to get to the front of the line for them to say oh we don't have any more it feels like when they make these toys and things, they pump up marketing so much. Every kid wants it, and they release like 20 of them total. And unless you've like sold a kidney to get the front spot in line, it's almost impossible. That really taps into it. It's also in that middle of that phase where, God love him, Arnold Schwarzenegger played the everyman American dad. <laughs> um, even though you know we got the firefighter version of him, we got to hear the, the sales version of him, but you know, fun movie. I threw it on again yesterday when, when I was cleaning up and getting ready, and it really gets you ready for the holidays. That leads us to, Eric, your choice, which is the 1990 classic Home Alone. Take it away. Which, I mean, where do I even start? Just by being able to quote the movie. Like, uh, keep the change, you filthy animal. Like, I, I just... 
this is it. Don't get scared now. It is it is a, a classic for a good reason. Uh, Chris Columbus knows how to direct child actors extremely well. And he knows how to frame it so that you're you know that you're watching uh, Kevin's story because we're looking at these bandits blown up as if we're looking at them through a child's eyes. And I don't know what it is about him that he understood the direction that way, but it just feels like it transports me to being younger and living out some weird magical fantasy where you wish for things and you don't understand the consequences as a kid and he has to grow up. And the surprising thing about this movie, watching it older is how it is sort of a coming of age story for a kid. That's not really, it's not time to come of age. He's learning to take care of himself. He's learning to take care of the family and appreciate his family and gain a level of maturity that is kind of, I'm not going to say haunting quite, but just like kids that end up like learning to take care of themselves have been through some stuff. And that's kind of what this movie is. If you take off the gloss of like a kid's movie, you just have like trauma and um, being able to pull that off with the light touch that this movie does is, is fantastic. Well, and you know, what would the holiday season be for Americans without John Hughes? We touched on it, um, you know, planes, trains, and automobiles, John Hughes. He does the script here for uh, Home Alone. Uh, and I love, you know, I've seen this movie dozens of times at this point in time. We watched it again yesterday. It's a concept that at first when you're hearing it, it's, you know, how can you believe that a parent's going to just take off and forget that they have a child and leave them behind? But they find a way to make it believable that it happened and believable that it takes a while to get back to him. I love John Candy when he pops up in this as the polka king. Um, there's just a lot that I enjoy. Ricky, how uh, how do you feel about Yeah, Home, Home Alone's Alone? incredible, right? You know what I mean? It's just, it's it's a classic that uh, I've enjoyed showing like my kid, my daughter, you know what I mean? Like whenever back a long time ago during Christmas, you get in that spirit, it's it's hilarious. It's, it's even funnier now because like you watch it and you're like, there's no way in hell that would happen now. But like, you're right. Back in the day, like I, even as a kid, I had it made up in my mind that that could happen. Like we kind of wish it would happen to you type of thing, especially after you see kind of what happens to Kevin and you're like, man, like that would have been cool as a kid, but it's funny. It's crazy. It's wild. It's unique. It's just, it's a blast. You know what I mean? And like, it's, it's a Christmas movie that, that like, it's hard to replicate that magic. And I know they've tried like so many times and have failed over and over and over immensely, but uh, it's easily on the, the watch list every year this time. You know what I mean? And you know what? It's a great movie to watch really anytime, but especially during Christmas. Well, that leads us uh, to mine, which is another film that came to us courtesy of John Hughes, and that's the 1989 classic National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Rarely do sequels surpass the original, and that's almost never true of the third film in a franchise. And this is the third film in the Vacation franchise. We had Vacation, we had the utterly forgettable European Vacation, and then we have this absolutely delightful gem of Christmas Vacation about Clark W. Griswold. They change the kids in every movie. This one, his son's actually younger than his daughter, which is a reversal from where you started out. 
another kind of fathers and sons tale. Uh, you get to see Clark with his own father and see him with his son and trying to create this great old fashioned Christmas. It's also hilarious. You know, I think I, when I did my pick of planes, trains, automobiles, I talked about the scene where Steve Martin goes to the rental car counter and just absolutely loses his shit is one of my favorite things. Well, in this one, you get almost the same thing when Clark's bonus doesn't come. It's just a hilarious classic. There's so many things that I love. My wife and I have matching t-shirts. Mine's, uh, her says, uh, why is the carpet wet, Todd? And mine says, I don't know, Margo. Um, there's just so many classic scenes in this movie. It's uh, a film that I watch time and again. If you've been watching my top 50 films of all time countdown, you would know that this is in there. I think it was number 37 overall. Um, I just love it. And it's a movie that I grow more and more to appreciate every year. Eric, what do you think of Christmas Vacation? Okay, so I watched this movie annually. It's very it was very rare in my family growing up for people to like want to watch movies at home, but people would watch this every year on Christmas and be like, "Oh, let's watch this movie." And so I believe I can play the movie in my head with a relative amount of accuracy from beginning to end. Um, and so many moments stick out. For one, in terms of legacy, uh, Beverly D'Angelo's character's father is one of the jurors from 12 Angry Men. And so you have talent from Hollywood back way decades past coming together to play this dysfunctional family that's recognizable for a lot of people. And the chaos that ensues between the, a, a cat being electrocuted, the tree being on fire, not being able to rig the Christmas lights, like... Every every little tantrum, every fit, just that that I don't know, Margo. Like like every quote and everything in it becomes something that is a joke that now like my family will laugh at and immediately recognize. Like you couldn't hear a dump truck driving through a nitroglycerin plant. Like that that line on its own is probably like annoying for some people to hear out of context, but is one of the funniest things I had ever heard in my life when I first heard it. So yeah, Christmas Vacation is a full-on holiday staple, and everyone it's like we just keep up with the newer and newer versions of it and pass it back and forth to families Christmas gifts. So yeah, Ricky, uh, you know I like I like I like Christmas Vacation. It's not it's not my go-to. It's not a film that I just throw on and 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 watch. And it's something that maybe I need to give it another try. It's been a long time since I've watched it. To be honest with you guys. Um, but it's not, it's enjoyable. It's funny. But I guess maybe it's just like, maybe it's like the, like maybe like the error, like right after me, I guess you could say type of thing. You know what I mean? Like there was that, there was that, there's like a lot of comedies within that time frame that like aren't my cup of tea, but I know so many people appreciate. And it's like, this is like kind of up in those movies, like the whole entire National Lampoon, like yeah. montage of films kind of. Is, is it is quintessential like 80s and that certain time period exactly and it's like it's comedy that's funny but it's like not overly funny to me but um all you guys talking about it really has kind of made me reignite maybe uh throwing it on here um I, i've got some time in the next couple of weeks that i'm really trying to take off to watch some just no nonsense movies so well, that is an interesting thing about this one is grain of salt. Most people I know who didn't grow up watching it 
don't seem to hold the movie in that high esteem. So who knows, you know? I'm going to report back to you. I, I really do. I'm going to add this to, what was it? RRR, and I've got to watch Natsuli Lapoon, uh, Christmas um, Vacation, and uh, The Weird Al Story. All Christmas night. Like, I'm going to have Well, like, first thing, you got to buy a Roku, and then. So, well, yes. I, well, I'm actually going to ask Santa Claus to bring it to me for Christmas this year. Um, if, in case there's any kids watching, you know what I mean? You never know. You know, Santa, true. Santa's going to come down the chimney and make sure to delightly. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be like the Vince Vaughn Chris uh, Santa Claus, or if it's going to be like you know, you know maybe Will Ferrell come in with his elves and he'll drop it off, or you know Tim Allen. Might it's going to be out. a sixty-five-year-old Tim Allen. So, <laughs> <laughs> so whoever brings it to me, I'm very excited that they will, though. Cool, cool. The Matt freeze? Are we? I'm pretty sure Matt froze. There he is. Yeah, we're here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah. It was, it was just all that time I spent thinking about uh, <laughs> yeah. National Lampoon's Christmas. He was vacation. smiling at Ricky Dunn the whole time. He's just like, yeah. <laughs> well, that is going to wrap it up for us this week. Eric and I will be enjoying time with family next week for Christmas. I hope you are as well. Be on the lookout uh, if you follow the, follow the Drive In Podcast Network. We will be releasing a special episode with uh, the three of us and Amanda. Uh, doing our top films of the year that should come out sometime in the next week and then eric and i will be back just after christmas just before the new year to look at a couple of uh, films that are going to be big holiday releases one of which glass onion that i know we've both seen look out for my special uh, ryan johnson hat um, so mm -hmm. I know we're all going to be, uh, very excited for that, but until then we want to wish you guys all a Merry Christmas. Like 